We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pack-A-Day Podcast, the 370th episode. I'm your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum, who is doing he's doing double duty. He was on yesterday and today. And, Ross, before we get started, you know, I've already told you this off air, uh, but, man, it, having you and Andy at camp this last week was just fantastic. Uh, such good insight, such good content. So, on you know, on behalf of Packers fans everywhere, keep up the good work, and we appreciate the heck out of you guys. Hey, thanks, man. We had a great time. Uh, it was awesome getting to meet Andy three dimensionally. Uh, we you know we we enjoyed each other's company, got to create some content, and you know talk Packers football, which is, is something that he and I both absolutely love to do. And I hope that was obvious to everyone else because I think the best. Content is usually created by people that are having fun. Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, football's back. That's That was really one of my biggest takeaways from this week was just, man, it's like, you know, you've been wandering in the desert for two months and you get that first drink of water. It's so good. So good. So today, um, you know, you guys really hit on your observations from camp yesterday. So I thought today, let's go more specifically and look at a, a specific part of the roster for the Packers, and that is their 2019 draft class. Um, just kind of get an update on how they're doing. You know, this is their first week in the NFL, 
Um, have there have there been any welcome to the NFL moments? What stood out? All that kind of stuff. So what I've done, Ross, is I have a list in front of me. I just did a Twitter search of all these guys. Um, and I try to keep it pretty diverse, just get different opinions from different people. Um, and if there are any tweets that stood out to me about what they're doing on the field, I'm just going to go ahead and read those. Um, and I think it's good to to get a bunch of different views because anyone that's been to any practice ever, and I'm sure, Ross, you could attest to this even from this last week, there's so much going on. You know, you, one one person might see one thing um, and, you know, they're not looking at the next play and they see a bad play. Well, that's me. So a lot can be said about training camp. Um, but overall, I'm pretty impressed with how the rookie classes look so far. So let's just go through this, just pick by pick. Obviously, the first pick the Packers had was the uh, the big edge guy, Rashawn Gary from Michigan. Um, so three things that really stood out to me from three people um, number one, Aaron Nagler had a tweet saying, no man as big and strong as Rashawn Gary should be able to move as fast as he does. It's truly frightening to see live. Um, kind of in the same vein, Ryan Wood, who you can follow at by Ryan Wood. In 11 on 11s, Rashawn Gary just came free on an inside slant, and I kid you not, I haven't seen a guy that big run that fast since Julius Peppers. Shot from a cannon. Would have been an easy sack. My goodness. Uh, lastly, Lily Zhao said, more praise for Rashawn Gary. This time, it's from defensive coordinator Mike Pettin. Pettin, you love his effort. Sometimes you have to slow him down during the walkthroughs. That's a guy who the effort is there every play. He's going to make a lot of plays, end quote. Um, so the theme I think you get from that, Ross, is one, he is big and he is fast. We knew that already. That was obvious. If you watch the NFL Combine, um, I think a lot of people are trying to kind of temper their enthusiasm with Rashawn Garrett just because of how much how how we know he's an athlete. But the thing that's really interesting is Mike Pettin's quote. You see, you've seen a lot of coaches say this already. I think he said it. Uh, Mike Smith has gone on the record saying it. Mike uh, Matt Lafleur has even said it, talking about his effort and how his effort's been really high. It's almost kind of like they know that one of the knocks on him or one of the perceived knocks on Rashawn Gary was his lack of effort. And it's almost like they're kind of throwing the middle finger to everybody and say, no, this guy, he's an animal out there. He, you have to tell him to throttle down. Um, so Ross, you were there. Tell me about Rashawn Gary. These, these quotes, does this stuff add up to you? And uh, let's hear your two cents on uh, the, the 12th overall pick for Sean Gary. Yeah. As far as you can, you know, as far, as far as you kind of dare, I think you have to be about as excited as possible with, with Rashawn. Uh, Andy and I got some guy all up in arms with us on, on Twitter yesterday complaining that we were too high on Gary. And it's like, buddy, we're just telling you what we see. You know, there was nothing, uh, no hype, no prediction. We just were saying what was happening. And, and you know, what Ryan Wood said absolutely did happen. I watched a couple of uh, one-on-ones against tackles. I think he might have actually also competed against guards uh, in, in some past pro reps, but boy, he just is as advertised. Now, um, I, I would guess that he was probably a fantastic practice player at Michigan. Uh, I, I would guess that there are, you know, every possibility that he continues to not, you know, show people what they want to see on tape and continues to kind of be a, uh, 
workout warrior, practice warrior, whatever, because what we're what we're hearing out of camp and what I observed is is not anything that's unsuspected, unexpected. What would be unexpected would be Rashawn to play extremely well, especially like in his first year as an NFL player and to be consistently productive because that's what was missing. I don't think anybody thought that there were basically any tools that were missing. I think Rashawn has every tool in the book and and I think everybody kind of knows that, but I, I just have to echo what everybody's saying. I was extremely impressed uh, with Sean Rashawn from top to bottom. I thought that he was everything you would have hoped him to be uh, after taking him 12th overall. And, and I'll be happy to be wrong about Rashawn Gary. I've said that on a number of occasions. My, one of my greatest uh, wishes in this life is to be wrong about Rashawn Gary, because if I am wrong, uh, I think he has a chance to truly be special because there basically isn't a player with a higher athletic ceiling in, in the league even. Yeah, no, pound for pound, he probably was the best athlete in this last year's draft class. So that's what's um, what's very encouraging and exciting. Like you already hit, is if he does pan out, you're looking at an all, you're looking at an all pro type player uh, that probably will be the best edge rusher in this class if he pans out. He's got as many tools as anybody in this class, and on top of all that, he's probably bigger and stronger than most of the guys that are going to play edge. The other thing that I kept hearing about him that was encouraging was not only his, his burst on the outside, but when he, when he did go move inside and he was kind of taking on those bigger dudes at the guard position was his strength and how he was pushing those guys around. So you want to talk about the equivalent of, you know, a five tool prospect. That's, that is Rashawn Gary. So yeah. uh, And I know a lot of people are getting annoyed because People are talking, you know, and hyping them up and they want to pump the brakes and say, hey, we'll just practice. But you're absolutely right. So what? This, but this is what's happening. Um, could he come out, fall, fall flat on his face in the games? Oh, yeah, sure he could. But this is the first hurdle he needs to jump, he needs, needs to clear, and he's doing it with ease. So I think it's okay to be a little bit excited with, um, you know, with common sense in mind. Yeah, he's still got to play a game. I get it. Um, but that's for Sean Gary looking really good so far to start his first week in the NFL. Second uh, first round pick the Packers. That was Darnell Savage, who, if you are have been living under a rock and did not know, he did not practice at all this week because he had his wisdom teeth taken out. Um, and a question for you, Ross. I don't know if they heard if you heard anything about this, but just something I'm thinking is, you know, with wisdom teeth, this is something something you usually schedule well in advance um, to get your wisdom teeth taken out. You get your appointment. You know, it's going to happen. Um, it's something they tell you will ha- need to happen plenty in advance. So it seems odd to me that why would you get your wisdom teeth taken out right before, you know, the, the week before training camp? Was this like an emergency situation or do you have any idea? I, I really don't. Um, I, I don't think it's a a huge deal. Uh, I, I, you know, he, he seems to be ob- observing everything that he's supposed to be observing. And yeah, it's not the same as live reps, but this is a guy that was basically installed as a starter the day that they uh, drafted him. And and that showed in OTAs when he and Amos took the first team reps. Uh, Darnell Savage is going to start at free safety no matter when he, when he arrives, when he's cleared to practice uh, in the sense that these guys just, there's no free safety position battle. And when he gets there, he'll get there. Good stuff. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting. Hopefully he's back next week. Uh, but anyone that's had their wisdom teeth taken out knows that is not 
that's not a fun procedure. That's uh, kind of a crappy one to come back from. Um, second round pick, or was he the second? I don't know. The next pick they had, uh, Elton, Jen- Elton Jenkins, the offensive guard center from Mississippi State. Um, not a lot said about him, Ross. Um, pretty much what you can pick up is he was running with the twos, um, and I think you said it perfectly yesterday on when you and Andy were talking about him. The fact that he is not getting his ass kicked right now is probably a positive. This is one of the biggest jumps you can make in football is coming in and playing interior offensive line. I mean, you are going from playing guys that are going to be, you know, doing this and that in their lives and not playing professional football to taking reps against, you know, grown-ass men day in, day out, every snap. So the fact that he has not embarrassed himself, I would say, is probably a pretty big positive. Um, but in, unless I'm missing anything, Ross, did he do anything that stood out in positive or negative to you? Not at all. I thought he was fine in, in the reps that he did take, whether it was, uh, you know, I, it doesn't matter whether it was team, whether it was one-on-ones. Uh, I don't remember him getting blown up. And, and frankly, until I can see some preseason reps, uh, it's going to be extremely unlikely that I'm going to really have a great feel for what's going on with Elton this even one-on-ones, uh, even team really with, with, and I didn't have a chance to see full pads. I saw uh, shells on, on Thursday, you know, uh, shorts and shoulder pads and, and a helmet, but, um, or excuse me, Saturday, but I, I didn't see the full pad of, pad of practice on Sunday. Andy would be a better guy to ask. Hopefully, you know, I'm going to return to practice on Thursday and go to family night on Friday. Hopefully Thursday's practice is a padded situation because I doubt that family night would be, though I, I guess I don't really know. I haven't, I haven't ever attended that event before. But without me, you're just happy that, like I said, it, you, you didn't hear that Tyler Lancaster, you know, ran him over, or or that he missed a block that would have gotten Tim Boyle killed. You just you didn't hear any of that. Good, yeah. And you know, with those guys, a lot of times they do kind of gain traction, and like you said, it's it's going to be. Uh, we're going to need a much bigger sample size for all these guys, but especially for that interior offensive line. Another guy that we're going to need a big sample size for, and honestly, I don't have huge expectations for his rookie year, even though he was probably my favorite draft pick in this class. I just love, I love Jay Sternberger and what I think he can eventually bring to this team. Um, I don't think he really stood out either way either, but one thing that I did see interesting that was interesting was Andy Herman, our very own Andy Herman on Twitter, uh, said this about Jace. He said, Jay Sternberger is so much smaller than the rest of the tight end group. Looks like a JV player playing varsity. If he gets open and makes plays, it doesn't matter one bit, but definitely noticeable. I think it's also important to note uh, that Andy had him on his standouts a couple of times. Um, and I it, I didn't really see why. I saw a couple people say he looked decent in, in drills um, but can you expound on that a little bit, Ross? What did you see from from Sternberger? Uh, I didn't see a ton from Jace. I think one of the the day that you're speaking of where Andy got excited was, uh, you know, that day I was gone, which was, was Saturday in the padded practice. It, it is noticeable, though. I mean, Jace is a wide receiver convert, I believe, and I, I think he played like wide receiver at KU. That didn't work out. Transferred to Texas A and M to play tight end. And that obviously worked out tremendously as he was pro football focuses, number one graded tight end in all of college football last year uh, from a receiving standpoint. And, and I think that's going to kind of continue to be the deal is, is that uh, he's the move tight end. He's the, the, the flex guy. And 
you know, he, he might be closer to Evan Ingram than we ever even imagined as far as whether or not he's one-dimensional. But if he makes plays consistently, it's not going to matter. You, you've seen guys like George Kittle, uh, Dalton Schultz, and the list kind of frankly goes on and on. You can get the Y tight end later. And so if they do feel like uh, Mercedes Lewis or Jimmy Graham aren't part of the long-term, you know, uh, uh, desires of, of the front office, then you can – either pick up, you know, a wide tight end in free agency for relatively cheap. You see a, a number of, of them go cheap as, you know, frankly did Jared Cook a, a few years ago or Mercedes Lewis before last season. You can get the blocking tight end or take him in round four, five, or six. Take You know, take the blocking tight end in, row, in, in round four, five, or six next year. So I'm not concerned about the way Sternberger looks. I agree with it. I think a year – in an NFL strength and conditioning program is going to be a huge deal for him. But I, I think he's as advertised as well. I, I have a little bit of concern about him just in the sense that I thought he was a little bit quiet and it's clear the team has Graham, Tanya, and Lewis ahead of him, but that is sure to change, uh, you know, as soon as next season. Yeah. And one, another interesting tidbit about Sternberger, when he was at KU, they actually tried to play him at D end before oh he he eventually transferred out of there, which is ironic because KU is such a dumpster fire of a football program that they have this all American tight end that they couldn't figure out to uh, play tight end. So uh, next King uh, Kingsley Kiki, uh, not a ton about him either. Uh, that's kind of a recurring theme with these guys, positive or negative. I'm um, just kind of going through Twitter uh, there was no tweets that I really wanted to highlight just because nothing really flashed as far as plays that he made. He didn't really make any splash wow plays. Um, from the looks of it, though, it looks like he did look better early on with no pads. And then when the pads came on, um, he did not, you know, like the which is the case for a lot of these guys, he did not perform as well with the pads on, Ross. Well, and, you know, Kingsley's a, a defensive uh, lineman. And, and what were you seeing this offseason – if you read between the lines is, oh, guess what? Montrevious Adams looks awesome and is expected to get major snaps in year three. And that's something else I want to say about Sternberg. It's a very similar position. Not every draft pick is for the next season. And, and that's something that you're going to see with, uh, with Jace. I don't think you should really expect a ton out of Sternberger until next year. And, and really, I don't think you're going to see peak Sternberger until, frankly, 2021. And I believe that the exact same can probably be said for uh, for Kingsley Kiki. I think if if he gets to where he needs to go, uh, you're you're going to see someone who doesn't really get there until 2021. And you've seen Green Bay, frankly, uh, unfortunately, give up on guys before it was their time. To a lesser degree, a guy like Kyrie Thornton, who they thought you know basically couldn't play in the league, he stuck around the NFL for five or six seasons. And, and in a major way, Lawrence Guy. Lawrence Guy is one of the best interior defensive linemen in all of football and has been for the last two seasons. That was a Ted Thompson draft pick that they just cut bait on. And lo and behold, year three, year four in the league, he is dominant uh, as a New England Patriot. Now, granted, the Patriots have an excellent coaching staff, specifically defensively. But just don't judge, you know, uh, frankly, wide receivers, tight ends, and interior defensive linemen, I think, are really the – the top spots to just kind of leave them alone until year three. Yeah. And that, that does remind me of, 
you know, Mike Pettin had a great quote on Montrevious Adams, uh, just talking about how he, I, I, I'm not, I'm going to butcher it, but it was basically along the lines of he, Pettin said, you know, I, he knows I did not like him when he got here. I didn't like the way he approached the game, all that kind of stuff. And then he poured the praise on really heavy. Um, so that's exciting. You know, I know we're talking about rookies, but if if Montrevious can develop into a contributor, I mean, he's a very, very good athlete um, on the interior uh, defensive line. So that's that's exciting news there. Um, next guy that they took, this is he's kind of turning into the uh, the darling of training camp after this first week, and that's Kadar Holman, um, the the rookie corner. So let's see. Uh, no, I don't know who said this, but I, basically he was getting some first team reps with Kevin King at times. Um, he's kind of turned into the guy. There's about three articles written on him already. And I know that's a lot of that's because he does have a really cool background and a cool story. I believe he was working at like a fast food restaurant for a while before he went back to school um, just because he struggled academically, had to get his grades up and then he finally got a chance. And it looks like after at least one week, he could be making the most of those opportunities um, Ross, and I want to hear you talk about this because I've heard you talk about this a little bit, um, but just how he seems like he's a very good scheme fit for Mike Pettin's defense. Yeah, he, he's a really special player uh, right now in kind of one area, and that's press man coverage. He was able to just eat up a couple of guys. Uh, my guy, Shep, I don't know what in the hell they were doing, but he ended up um, at the X position on the outside against Holman and Holman absolutely ate him up, and that's not Shep's role. Shep's a slot receiver, um, generally playing with guys off of his, you know, off of his body, playing in space against linebackers and safeties and nickels. But when he was asked to play outside receiver against Holman, it was a mismatch, and it was a mismatch in in favor of Holman. He really gets into guys, man, and and I think you know I, I said yesterday he's the anti Josh Jackson to me. Uh, he is a guy that you want to do absolutely whatever you can to get into press man coverage and leave him out of zone situations uh, where he has to make reads in the same way that you want Josh Jackson to not have to grab and do all the other crap he had to do last year um, as, as a nickelback. And you want him playing off or off zone uh, coverage in, in a, you know, usually a cover three, sometimes a cover two situation. I don't know how well that meshes, you know, um, like Andy said, maybe they could play a platoon, except that obviously, uh, you know, a platoon would, you know, 100% give away what they're doing. But yeah, it's it's uh, impressive to see a guy play that well at cornerback drafted that late. And that's fun. That's, you know, with him looking like he's developed, could develop Tony Brown looking like he could take another step this year, obviously with Josh Jackson getting into his second year, like that cornerback room, um, has a lot of young talent, you know, we'll see if they can, if they're able to keep all those guys, that's such a coveted position in the NFL that, um, even if some of those guys aren't playing in green Bay, I, I would imagine they'll be playing somewhere. So, uh, that's going to be an interesting just room to watch that positional group. Um, next guy on the list is Dexter Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame. I know Aaron Nagler came out and said he has a legit first cut classic, put your foot in the ground and get up field in his game. And I think that's funny because I saw that a lot. Um, a lot of people talking about his one-cut ability. Um, but then Zach Cruz tweeted a quote from Matt LaFleur basically saying, I think Dexter's starting to learn what this league is all about. Early on, he was really struggling at pressing things and looking to cut back. 
if you're a pit uh, pitter patter in the hole at this level, you're going to get hit in the backfield. Um, so it's, it's kind of you know. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I didn't say anything. I, I mean, but I think he might even just be tempering expectations. Yeah. Yeah, and what we I mean, how do you, I did he look good? A lot of people said he he had a lot of juice. He's one of my guys from this class, man. I think uh, he he if. Who knows what's going to happen when it's time to pay Aaron Jones, especially have if he has the season that I'm expecting him to have this year. Uh, Jamal Williams, obviously, his contract will expire at the same time that Jones's does. And in this league, in my opinion, you're not really constructing your roster correctly if your primary tailback isn't on a rookie contract. It's just from a wins and losses perspective, not important to have a highly paid running back. I think uh, you, you can definitely see that when you look at the teams that are sort of there at the end of the year. Uh, Todd Gurley being the exception there that kind of proves the rule, but Todd didn't really have all that much to do with LA's success. And you saw that when they swapped CJ Anderson out for him and had basically nothing happen, you know, have, have no difference. Uh, and, and so that's something that I think you need to pay attention to moving forward because I really think there's a chance that Williams is good enough to carry the load in 2021 or whenever Williams and Jones had their contracts come up. Awesome. Yeah, no, he, he's a guy that seems like he, he really does fit what the Packers are going to want to do. Um, last seventh round pick Ty Summers. Uh, not a lot said about him. And he did talk a little bit about him saying he had a couple of nice run fits. Um, but really with Ty, Ty, you're probably looking at a guy that if he makes the squad, it's going to be at, you know on teams. You know, think James Crawford last year. Can he bring something like that this year and hopefully develop? But did he do anything to really stand out either way to you, Ross? No, and I think what stood out to me about him uh, was just that Curtis Bolton is running ahead of him. Now, one thing that we did discuss is, and I don't know, you know, I think it used to be Jack and Buck were the inside linebacker positions when Capers was in charge. I don't know what the nomenclature is. I don't know what – yeah, like I said, I don't know. I don't know what the the answer to that question necessarily is moving forward. But the important part is that it's potentially where you have Blake Martinez, and then maybe he's backed up by uh, fifty four, and then beyond behind him is maybe Ty Summers, and maybe Curtis Bolton is just the first string backup to uh, Oren Burks, and and maybe those are the positionally. But as far as when the ones come in and when the twos come in. Curtis Bolton definitely comes in before Ty Summers. I thought that was a little bit interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And, you know, Curtis Bolton, friend of the podcast, if you haven't checked that one out, uh, Andy had him on about a month ago. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Ross, is there anything else before I let you go um, that you didn't hit on yesterday that you uh, wanted to talk about today as far as what stood out to you? Not really. Uh, you know, we've been, to be honest, we've done uh, two videos that are on Cheesehead TV. Uh, Andy and I did packet day yesterday and, and we've done this. I think uh, the people have, have definitely heard what I have to say. Awesome. Good. Well, Packers fans, football is back. We are going to have consistent Packers news uh, until, until February. That's until then. So um, keep it, keep it locked in right here. Uh, I think we have as good a training camp co- camp coverage as anyone out there. So, um, if you're looking for uh, every day, you know, up to the minute updates, uh, I know Andy's going to be out there again next week, not the whole time. Um, Ross is going to be there again at, at times next week. So if you haven't done that already, 
turn on your notifications for some of these guys. You will thank yourself later uh, when you get those real-time updates. Uh, Ross, thank you for joining me. As always, go Pack Go. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over against the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good! 30! Turns up field. 25! Cutting right to the 20! 15! 10! 5! Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown! Rodgers looks it over. Starts to his left. Now he moves. Starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield. Being flushed. Rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's high, what did it caught? It is caught for a touchdown. Yes! Yes! Pass left, yes! 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 Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.